We're back, Jared. It's the Something for Nothing podcast. It is. It sure is. That's why I came here. We're going to do side two of Test for Echo today. We figured out side two starts with Totem. Yeah, that was, that was my guess. That was your guess, and you guessed correctly. Yeah. So we're going to start with that today. But first, we're going to let you know, you can follow us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, uh-huh. Instagram. Yep. Jerry's putting up some great photos at the Rushcast. Yeah. You can email Jerry. Jerry's getting emails left and right. I am. Thank you. Uh, the Rushcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. And please rate us on your favorite podcast app. By now, you know where you're listening. We don't have to tell you where you're listening. Yeah, that would be weird. That would be weird. We don't know. But let's, w- uh, let's just say this right up front. I don't know where you're listening to this. No. But we do know we do know that you have to rate us. Well, you don't have to, but we'd really like you to. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, it helps us feel better about ourselves. It helps us know that we're we're making you happy. And it helps uh, you know, some kind of metric that somebody uses to push different lists high. I don't know. Yeah. Some some stuff I don't know anything about. I want to point out again, Lex is doing an awesome job doing our bass intros for uh, the is. podcast. He's an awesome bassist. He's he no Getty. Nobody is, but oh. he's a Lex. I hope he doesn't listen to this. One. No. Well, look, he <laughs> would even say he's no Getty. No one's Getty. Chris Squire maybe was. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Getty's Getty. Anyway, we wanted to point out that we've got some great Twitter listeners. We do. Been, yeah, they've been contacting us. How many followers now on Twitter? Uh, as of this recording, I think we have 307. And that's, that's amazing. That's pretty good. I think seven podcasts are out right at this moment. And they're engaging too. Yeah. So uh, we've been hearing from, um, let's see, at SLG2112, that's Steven. He's been reaching out to us. At ChuckB63, at Habs2112Tony, at Stuart Borland. He's from uh, the UK, so we've got a listener in the UK. Oh, nice. And you got an email today from uh, the Netherlands, didn't I you? I did. I did. I got an email from someone Ar- in the Netherlands. Arjun. I think that's a, I, I Yeah. I'm not I, sure how to say it, but thanks, no. Arjun, for listening. He listens yeah. on his commute. He does. That's a, it's a great time to listen to the Rush Fancast. Right after, commute. when I get home tonight, I'm going to write him a very nice response. His email was very nice. Yeah, it was great. It made me, made me want to get up this morning. Even though I had already been up. <laughs> You'd already been up for hours. I'd already been up, but it, it makes ma- me want to get up tomorrow morning. It made you want to take a nap just so you can get up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I wanted to mention a couple of Twitter polls. Uh, every podcast I've been wow. just bringing up these. Well, it, I should it, really pay attention it, to the Twitter feed. It lets us delve into the minds of our listeners, of the Rush fan, and find out what they're thinking, right? Sure. So a uh, couple of podcasts back, we did Caress of Steel. So I asked. Oh, I remember that. Right. What's your favorite Caress of Steel song? On side one. Side one. Side two, The Fountain of Lem... I still can't say it. <laughs> the Fountain of Lemneth. Uh, anyway, what do you think the favorite song on side one was, Jer? Did you give a... Was it an all out? It was just... It was, there were four, there were four oh, yeah, songs, right. four choices. Bastille, uh, Bastille Day. Bastille Day, of course. Bastille Day won by a hair. What? So Bastille Day was 31%. Lakeside Park, 29%. No way. Necromancer, 29%, which leaves- I think I'm going bald. Which leaves not many percent for I think I'm going bald. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised about the Necromancer. Yeah. I mean, they're, all three was pretty much dead heat. I thought that- And that's 182 votes. That's a lot of votes. It's it not, is a lot yeah. of votes. So um, thanks for voting, too. Yeah. Another thing I asked was if you could see any Rush tour 
what tour would you choose? What tour do you think was the number one? And I and I, w- I didn't give choices. Didn't get choices. I just well, let people. You're talking just, about tour, right? Not individual show, right? Just tour. Just a tour. Oh, it's got to be an early one, right? I'm going to say that it was permanent waves. No, hemispheres. Hemispheres. And and I kind of agree. Yeah, that like that show. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean the thing about the the later tours is you got to hear everything. Yeah. You know, hemispheres you only got to hear from you know the first album up to hemispheres. Right. right? So. There's something to be said for the later tours too. And I chose as the one show I wish I'd gone to was Time Machine 2010 at Red Rocks. Oh, that, how would, great have been, w- that would have been amazing. How great would that have been? Because we, we recently went to Red Rocks. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, we never got to see Rush there. No. And I kind of wish. But we did see them. Where did we see them on that? We saw them twice. Yeah, I don't remember. Time Machine. No, I'd we saw them look. at uh, Jones Beach. Oh, which was also which amazing. was fantastic. Jones it, Beach is the place that I saw the two greatest Rush shows yeah. I've ever seen. Yep, I know the other one too. Yeah, and it's when they played Analog Kid. Yep, and I forget what tour it was. We'll, we'll find out. We'll we'll let you know later. Not that it matters. It's it's in the past. Yeah, you can't go back in time, Jer. I'd no. like to. There in is your, no in time your mind, machine. You, in your mind, you can. There is no time machine. Yeah, but both of those shows were fantastic. And it had a lot to do, I think, with the place. It's an open air kind of amphitheater right on water. Yep. But the sound is great. Oh, usually open air amphitheaters, yeah, the sound is iffy. Sounds great there. Oh, yeah. Jones Beach is awesome. If it you is. have a chance to go see a show there, it won't be Rush, unfortunately. Last Twitter poll I have is favorite Rush font, Jer. Remember you screwed yes, up the Rush I font? I did screw up the Rush font. Um, so I gave... Three choices, Hemispheres, which is the Rush font you like. Yep. And I picked two that I like, Signals and Vapor Trails. Vapor Trails. The Vapor Trails font. And then I allowed for other. And Hemispheres won going away. Really? 65% of people yeah, said Hemispheres. Because that, that is the Rush font. Right. Really is. Signals, Despite the fact that I forgot what album it was on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Signals got 22%, Vapor Trails 8%, and Other got 5%, and people gave other suggestions. Probably the first album. Yeah, first album, Power Windows, Roll the Bones, Fly by Night, got a couple of votes. Um, yeah, so that's it. Great. Yeah. So th- those were the Twitter polls uh, that I wanted to bring up. Interesting stuff, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So why don't we uh, delve into the first track on side two of Test for Echo, Jer. Totem. Your thoughts, sir? Well, uh, for me, the album is right back on track with Totem. It's a, it's, it's a great song. And yeah. to me, the, when I said that I thought this would be the best song to open the second side, it's because I, I really like it. It's yeah, it, is, it really is a great song. Yeah. So what do you think the meaning is behind Totem? Well, a Totem is, what is a Totem? It kind of means like a kinship or like family group or something like that. Okay. 
And sometimes it has animals on it. He mentions a bunch of animals in there, spirit animals or whatever animals right. that that are part of your kinship or represent your family or something like that. It's definitely, I don't really know what a totem has to do with the song in particular, because for me, there's only one part of the lyrics that really stand out as having the deepest meaning. Okay. And can you guess what that is? I bet you can guess. I believe that what I'm feeling changes how the world appears. Exactly, yeah. I believe in what I see. I believe in what I hear. I believe what I am feeling changes how the world appears. I'm not sure how what that has to do with Totem, but... Well, I, I mean, my interpretation is that, I mean, there's a lot of religious imagery in this song. Yeah. So I think what Neil's trying to say is that the things you believe in, whether it be religion or whether it be idols, like a Totem... Right. Uh, changes your worldview. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go with that? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I mean, music-wise, this song is just incredible. It is incredible. It really it's, is great. It was great hearing it for the first time. For the first time? <laughs> Come on, Jer. I'm, you hadn't heard this one in years either? I hadn't listened to this album, like oh, I said. Oh, man. Alex's guitar in this song, just the... I guess he's got he's got the twelve string going again on yeah, this song, just like just like on Driven, you know, different different sort of um, guitar riff. But yeah, in that phrase we were just talking about, I believe in what I see, I believe in what I hear. His guitar is the sound is just amazing. Yeah, the whole song is great. Yeah. And again, it's it's kind of like um, half the world. It's a very accessible song, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You sh- you could play that for your wife too. See what she says. Uh, I, this is a lot of songs I'm playing for my <laughs> wife. I don't know. I don't know if this is a good idea. It's never a good idea to ask your wife to sit down and listen to some Rush song. <laughs> Probably not. I want to stay married, Jer. I do. Um, but the other part I like is um, Getty's vocals on the the angels and demons part. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Know, lunatics and monsters. The whole thing. It's just great. Yeah. His um, voice on this whole album is great. Yeah. I mean, this is. I think this is Getty's peak of his vocal prowess, you know? I mean, I think his, his voice sounded the best the, right around this time. The most in control. Yeah. Like he had learned right. how to make the best of his instrument. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and obviously later on, he's getting older and maybe losing a little bit of his range. Yeah. You know? So this, I mean, I guess, what are they, right around 40 I would think around this time. I'd have to do the math yeah. and I don't like doing math. Yeah. Uh, right, ar- right around there. Yeah. You know, late thirties, 40. So this is. That's uh, when my singing voice started. Getting yeah. <laughs> my singing was the best at 40. Yeah, also. It was. Absolutely. But, um, what do you think about the angels and demons inside of me line? Is that kind of like, you know, you have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder trying to get yeah. you to. And I think if you're, if you're, linking it to the totem which is like a representation of all the different aspects of yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody has those kinds of things inside of them Mm -hmm. and you can listen to them or not right and hopefully people listen to the angels more than they do the devils yeah all right great so uh why don't we move on to uh track two on side two oh yeah test for echo dog years yeah dog years Yeah. 
Now, this is a clever little ditty, Jer. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't like dog ears. You don't like dog ears? Nope. You know, you don't like a lot of songs on this record. That's don't- not true. This is only like the third one. Now, why don't you like dog ears? Is it a little too clever for you? It's a little too cute. A little too cute? There's some cute lines in it. Again, first of all, you know my longstanding pet peeve about the concept. About pet of- songs? <laughs> yeah, about songs <laughs> named after animals. No. Uh, about the concept of dog ears, right? I must have told you this many times. Oh, you mean about, not about the song. Not about, about the song, but about, It's about dog ears itself. You don't yeah. think there's any, go ahead, explain. I, it, for, for me, again, this is just me, people. This is just me. It's, it's, it's just Jerry. It's just me. There's a certain anthropomorphic projection onto everything, right? Okay. So we have to, for some reason, in order to relate to the life cycle of a dog, Equate it to our life cycle. Okay. And so for every year that we live, a dog is living seven. First of all, how you would determine that, I'm not sure. Because some dogs live to be 15 or 19. I mean, people aren't really living that long. There's just no reason for us. Like a dog should just be as old as it is without relationship to us. That's just, I know it's a dumb, dumb thing. I think though what Neil's getting at here, to me this song is similar to I Think I'm Going Bald and Time Stands Still. Just another song about getting older. And I think what Neil's trying to say in the song is that, I mean, he even says it in the lyrics, uh, we get it backwards and one year feels like seven. Yes. To him or to, to us. Oh, I think I, th- I think what he's getting at here is it feels to him perhaps that one year goes by as quickly as seven I mean, we all feel that. Yeah. I mean, our kids are getting older. My older daughter went to college this year. It's felt like, you know, a couple of years since she's been born. Right. In hindsight. And I think that's just what he's getting at and just using clever dog puns. Yeah. Uh, Doggy heaven. (laughs) No. Well, you didn't like, uh, what's the, what's the one, uh, let's see, uh, uh, one sniff of the hydrant. Yep. Signals, maybe. 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 Um, did you catch this one? In the dog days, people look too serious, and serious is the dog star. Well, that's an interesting line because the star Sirius is in a constellation called Cana Major. Okay. Or Cana Minor. Major. It's one of them. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, canine. That's why it's called a dog star. It's because it's the brightest star in that constellation. All right. The constellation of Cana Major or whatever. Um, it's also the brightest star in the sky. Really? Yeah. Wow. But the reason why it, he says the dog days, I had to look it up because I was just fascinated by, you know how I am sometimes fascinated by uh, colloquialisms. Yes. The time of summer is called the dog days because in ancient Egypt, when the dog star, when Sirius rose above the eastern horizon before the sunrise, was about the time that the fl- the Nile flooded and it marked the beginning of summer. Oh wow! So, huh. the that marked the beginning of the hot, really hot days, and they became known as dog days, the dog days of summer. Huh. Yeah. And inside the um, the album, there's pictures of the guys as kids. Yeah. On the page for dog years. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And because life has gone by so quickly, look at that. Yeah, I know. 
That's what they used to look, look at like. Neil smiling. Neil playing his drum kit. And he looks like he's maybe 13 there. I mean, look, some, some of the lyrics are a little goofy, a but, little I, goofy. but I think it was intentionally goofy. I mean, and Rush, I mean, you got to remember, Jer, Rush, they're goofy guys. They are goofy guys. You know, I mean, Neil was just having fun with this one and I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, it is kind of goofy. I just don't, yeah, I just don't like the song for okay. whatever reason. It does bring up interesting things though. It brings up relativity again. Yeah. Which is basically um, a theory of special relativity, I guess. It's the relationship of, uh, you know, space time and how time is dilated mm-hmm. uh, and how, you know, your position in the world or in the universe is, affects the way you perceive time and how two people in different places can see things in different ways. I mean, it's very complicated stuff. Yeah, but it ties a little bit in with some of the other songs on the record, don't you it think? It does, yeah. yeah. And there's, a, I like the end of the song where he says... When all the bones are buried, there is barely time to go outside and play. I thought that was, that's a good, that's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I, I think it's clever. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it is a. Every dog pun he could squeeze in there, he did. And, uh, <laughs> you know. I wrote, the first thing I wrote down was, this is a new time standstill, like you said. Yeah. And, and, may, of, and maybe the reason you don't like it, Jarris, because you're a sad son of a bitch. <laughs> that's definitely true. <laughs> Everyone can attest to that. But there is one thing too. You know, I love picking out little things. He talks about the tortoise of of the Galapagos. Yeah. Because those tortoises are long-lived animals. Right. They live hundreds of years. Right. And I looked it up. I think we might've talked about this. How old are you in Galapagos turtle years, Jar? Jeez, I have a slice (laughs) idea. So I think we mentioned this. We might've just been talking about it just in general conversation. But Darwin- yeah. Charles Darwin, when he went to the Galapagos Islands, supposedly brought home a tortoise. Mm-hmm. It's even, you know, he just was just like, oh, those things are cool. Let's, let me take it out of its natural habitat, even though I'm a biologist, and bring it back home with me. Sound like a good, good idea in the 1800s. It lived to be 175 years old. Wow. It died in 2006. Are you serious? 2006. So Charles Darwin's tortoise just died? Yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah. 13 years ago? Quick math. Quick math. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That is crazy. And it brings up the question about, I guess this has to do with dog years. If a dog, if it, you know, if you're trying to make the connection between how long it feels like time is passing for different creatures. Yeah. I think that's a better argument than just, you know, their time is seven years compared to our one year, right? Because a, right. to- a tortoise that's living 175 years and is kind of walking that slow all the time and digesting its food very slowly might actually perceive time slower than we do. Might feel the same as we do. Might feel the same. Hummingbirds, right? Mm -hmm. Their hearts beat 4,000 times a minute. They might be seeing things moving very quickly. Who knows? Maybe everybody feels time the same way. You know, it feels like, you know, a dog lives 20 years. It feels like 100 years does to us, maybe. I mean, everybody... Everybody perceives time this their time at the same, you know, in in comparison to the length of their life. I guess does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not articulating it correctly. No, I, I think I know think. what you mean. Yeah. I don't even know. What it, I mean. It's compare. It, you have to compare it to how long that creature normally lives. Yeah, like those, uh, like those redwood trees or any tree in the, uh, that can live thousands of years. How old are you in redwood years? Jim? Oof, geez, that's a good question, right? <laughs> 
We could do this all day. Yeah. Let's talk about Redwood years. Let's, I'll tell you what, <laughs> why don't we talk about the next song on this album? Okay. Virtuality. Virtuality. That boy, that girl, The first thing I thought of is a couple of the lines in this song didn't really age very well. No. I, that's the first thing I did. I wrote down, what a dated concept. Yeah. At the time. Well, at the time it wasn't a dated concept. Yeah. Now it's a dated concept. But do you think it was destined to be a dated concept no matter what? I mean, yeah. I mean there's no way this wasn't going to be a dated concept. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it's impossible to write a song about the cultural effects of a brand new technology, uh, you know, in the future. And expected to stand expected, the test of yeah. time. Just no, futurism is, I think we might've mentioned this before in a different podcast. It's a fool's game, people. <laughs> Trying to predict the future, especially the future of technology, you'll never get it right. Right. The, um, the hallowed halls of computers in 2112 That's, is what yeah, we were discussing. Exactly it's, yeah. a, it's the same sort of line. Right. And like I said earlier in the previous podcast, this album came out in 96 when, you know, AOL was the big thing. Yeah. So this and, song is sort of about an online relationship, I guess, right? Net boy, net girl, uh, send I, your signal around the world. I guess so. I, again, thought of it in, in a larger context of just on the theme of Test for Echo, uh -huh. um, seeing who's out there. Like, this is a brand new way to communicate. Right. Because what does he say? Let, he says, net boy, net girl, let your fingers walk and talk and set you free. But then he says, put your message in a modem and throw it in the cyber sea. Do modems still exist, Jer? I do you need a so. modem anymore? I don't think so. Maybe some people do. I got to get the sound effect of a modem and throw it in there oh, for, the, yeah, for our young listeners. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Our younger listeners never heard that sound, but every time you logged onto the internet, you heard this crazy, annoying modem Screech. sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one time when my older daughter was maybe like six her friends were over and we had a a landline at the time okay and she had to call her dad so i gave her like the handset and it started she called and there was a busy signal she'd never heard that she had before. never heard a busy signal before she came over she's like i think i broke your phone <laughs> and she handed me the phone and it was just going ah, 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 ah. and that's the first time i realized there are no business signals anymore. There are though. My mother still has a landline. Right, but if you call someone on on a cell phone, right, it's just no busy signal. Goes to voice. True, but my mother doesn't have. Um, I think if she's on the phone, I get a busy signal. Wow. Yeah, that must be a throwback. It is. It's a thrill, is what it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> but now, I was going to talk about, but the the uh, let your fingers walk and talk and set you free. Okay. You know, that speaks to the early promise of the internet. Right. The internet was supposed to, I guess the web really, the web was supposed to connect everyone in the world. It was going to be the great equalizer. Right. I mean, it turned into a gigantic shouting match, but 
at the time, everyone was just like, you, everybody has the power now. You can, you know, walk and talk and, and you'll be free. But then he follows it with, put your message in a modem and throw it in the cyber sea. Basically, like, who is going to hear this thing that you're putting out there? Right. You put a message in a bottle. It's lost at sea. It's, unless who's ever going to read Unless that? you're Sting. Then you Just, get a million bottles at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it's a very, it's a critical song uh, about the web. Now, taking the lyrics out of it, I think this is a great song. I love the song. Do you not like the song? Yeah, I just don't like the song. Again, I'm I'm very tied into the lyrics of songs. Yeah, if I'm, I don't like the lyrics, I really don't like the music or the the song in general. And that okay, well, let me throw this at you. Oh boy. Let's say let's go back in time. Say this is 1996. Okay. Well, we're I did in, listen to this album in 1996. We're in 1996, remember. and you're hearing this song. Uh-huh. Do you like the song? Do you not like the lyrics just because they're they're dated and don't really uh, relate to anything now? No, and again, I don't remember. Like I said, I listened to it when it first came out, and don't remember having a strong reaction to it. But I'm always, you know, skeptical of of um, complaints about new things. It's like a, the equivalent of an old man yelling about kids today right that's basically how i view this song okay and that's what you do now you're an old man and you yell about kids right i don't i try not to because i know that it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter that's just a generational thing but this song is so heavy though it is very yeah it is very heavy. i think it's i i I love it i think it's great i think alex's guitar sound on this is is awesome yeah i'll give you that neil's drum i mean well neil's drum yeah this whole album, Neil's drums, whatever he did, fantastic with Freddie Gruber, whatever that guy's name was, whatever he yeah. did with that guy, worked. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I, you know, all- I like I like the bridge too. You know, let's dance tonight to a virtual song. Blah blah blah. You know, whatever whatever else he's saying there. But the just the the song itself. Take the lyrics out of it. It's hard. Just, it's hard for me to do. Yeah. Like yeah, I guess the music's okay. I mean, it starts off with the beginning. You know, it starts off with the image of a shipwreck. Right, and he says that there's some somebody clinging to a boat named Fantasy. It's just, you know, like the web connecting with people over the internet is a fantasy. It's not real okay. life. I don't know. So you just have a hard time separating the lyrics. I mean, if you don't like the lyrics, you have a tough time connecting to the song. Yeah. Okay. That, that's fair. Yeah, and this song is just like I said, it just didn't age well. And even at the time, it might have just been a little too cranky for me. Yeah, I mean, well, it was outdated probably, you know. A year after it came out. Probably a year after it came out. All right, well, let's move on to uh, track nine on Test for Echo, Jer. Resist. I can learn to resist anything but temptation. I can learn to coexist with anything but pain. I can learn to compromise anything but my desire. I can learn to get along with all the things I can't explain. Now this song, for me, seeing it performed live oh, yeah. later, yeah. acoustically, is what did it for me. Absolutely. That, I the, mean, the, the song itself, the recorded version on Test for Echo. Bland. It's bland. Anodyne. But when they did it live, yeah. forget what tour it was. Must it might have been uh, a couple tours later? Yeah, it definitely mean, was a couple tours later. But the the live acoustic version. Oh yeah, with just Getty and Alex mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, I mean it, that this is a perfect example of why you go and see live music. 
Yeah. You go to see it because the the moment can add so much. Just the way it's played in that moment can add so much more to the, the experience of the song. And it is a great, that that acoustic version, I wish I had it. I wish they would do an acoustic studio version. Yeah. Because I really don't like the arrangement of this song at all. Yeah. Even now. Usually if I go to a concert and I see a song and I, and I really love the way it's played, I go back and I appreciate the studio version more. But in this case, I can't. I don't like the arrangement of this song at all. So now you hadn't listened to Test for Echo in years. I've listened to this song, though. Over you the have. Years because. Because you like the live version. Because I like the live version. But that's so true. I mean, seeing a band live is nothing like seeing a band live. And a perfect example of that is the last tour we saw, Rush. We were one of the lucky fans that got to see them do Losing It. Yeah. They only played it, what, five times? We saw them twice. Yeah, we saw them do it twice. I don't know. We got real lucky because they only played it five times and twice we saw it. Yeah. But I always liked that song, but after they played it live and I saw them do it live, I mean, that song, I'm over the moon for that song. Now. I always loved the electric violin solo in that song, but uh, this guy who did it, Dinklage, yeah. what's his first name? I can't remember his first name. Uh, not Peter Dinklage, no. but- uh, his brother. His brother. He did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. He was amazing. He, he was, was amazing. so into it. Yeah. And big Rush fan. Yeah. And imagine, how cool would that be? You're a big Rush fan. You play the violin- and how many how many violin songs how many songs rush songs have violins on them right but to be asked to play that song yeah in that setting with that band on that tour on that tour in that year yeah. on that planet <laughs> <laughs> at this part of the universe <laughs> um, no but seriously yeah it's a, it was a fantastic moment seeing him play that yeah but anyway back but to, anyway back to resist yeah. i mean that's the reason why i really like this song is because we saw them do it live right. and it was fantastic. And the lyrics when they did it live came out better. Uh, you know, they resonated they hit you more. better. Yeah, they hit yeah. me more than yeah. the acoustic, than the, than the studio version. I mean, the whole song is he's resisting things within himself, but he's also resisting things outside of himself. Right. So it's, it's like, um, the first two line, the first two lines of each verse or the first two verses, right. Are I can learn to resist anything but temptation. And then I can learn to compromise anything but my desires, which is a little self-deprecating. You know, yeah. he's like, well, I can do anything except, you know, I can resist anything but, but temptation, which is like, okay, that's everything. Now, I <laughs> read, like, I read that that was a quote from the play Lady Windermere's Fan by Oscar Wilde. That's what I was just going to say. Were you? No. <laughs> No, I wasn't. I can resist everything but temptation. That's from that play. I mean, I don't know whether... It was a coincidence or Neil? No, he did it on purpose. He, he had to. Now, oh. you, now that you mentioned that, I think I remember that as being one of, um, you know, a famous quote. I didn't, it didn't remind me of that right when I was listening. And to of it. course, you know, we were talking about this a minute ago and I wrote it down and I forgot to even look. Uh, they played this on the Vapor Trails tour and on the 30th anniversary tour acoustically. Oh, yeah. yeah. It really is a good song, but, uh, but whenever I hear it now, I think the same thing you do is it was so much better live yeah absolutely and and that's the case with a lot of songs not well, a lot of rush songs no, i was just saying not a lot of rush songs but a lot of songs by other bands yeah that i like i want you to want me by cheap trick oh my is god way better live oh my god the studio version of that song <laughs> is the campiest song I the heard, worst song ever i was in i don't know quick check 
or some. Oh, 20, you heard it? And I heard it. And I was like, what is this goofy song? And then the lyrics came in. I was like, this is the studio version of this song? I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard it before. I only heard the live version. That's because the only one they play on the radio. Right, because it's good. Yeah. Live at Budokan. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but the second, so I, the first the first two lines of each verse, I said, you know, they're kind of describing his weakness. But then the second two lines of each of the verse kind of describes his strengths, right? I can learn to coexist with anything but pain. I can learn to get along with all the things I can't explain. So when he says, like, I learn, I can learn to coexist with anything but pain, that's kind of like a, a declaration of justice. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, I can... I'm not going to ignore someone else's pain and misery. That's how I, that's how I feel about okay. it. So he sets up these things like I can, you know, I can learn to resist anything but temptation. That's, that's a, a weakness. It's a character flaw. Uh, but then I can learn to coexist with anything but pain. And that's a, a character strength. Mm -hmm. And the whole song just bounces back and forth like that. Oh. So, I mean, yeah, he's got contradictions there are contradictions throughout the song, like resist and coexist and compromise, resist, persist. He's just, again, I'm yeah, he's awe. he's he's great. I mean, right. Neil's lyrics are amazing. But of course, the best part lyrically of the song, I'm sure you're going, you know it. You want to pick it out again? Oh, you want me to, want me to I think pick you've done out, this like three times. You want me already. to pick out the best lyric? The best um, lyrics of the song. Oh, geez. Uh, you can fight without ever winning, mm -hmm. but never ever win without yeah. a fight. You can surrender without a prayer. But never ever, but never really pray, pray without surrender. And that's the part that I remember seeing them do live that was just Daddy so that, moving. It was. His Wasn't voice. It? Yeah. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's amazing. <laughs> really is. But then uh, after that, you can fight without ever winning, but never ever win, win without a fight. That's, that's deep, man. It is so deep. Dude. Deeper than I've ever been. Dude, it's deep. <laughs> but in, the, the interesting thing about uh, Neil, you know, um, I don't think it's a secret that Neil and Getty and Alex are atheists or non-believers in religion right. in general. And just to have him write, you know, you can surrender without a prayer, but never ever, never pray without surrender. It's an interesting, yeah, especially in context with the rest of the song where he's talking about all of these things that he's learning to resist or he can't resist or tries not to resist mm -hmm. something like this is maybe he can't surrender. And I know he's all the lyrics are not necessarily about him, but people who can't have religious experiences can't surrender themselves over to it. Right. They can't let themselves go. I heard another interview with Neil recently and he, he reiterated that, he that a lot of his, no, well, not about this song, but a lot of his lyrics are not, about his experiences yeah. he creates he creates the experience in his mind you know a fictional person that might be experiencing this yep and it's not necessarily him so maybe it's from the perspective of someone who is religious yeah i'm going to continue to think it's him though okay just because just because that's what you want to do just because it, it makes me think about the lyrics deeper if i think he's singing he's writing about himself okay gives me somebody to, somebody to think about all right, well, we're churning through Test for Echo. Are we we've, really? got, we've got two songs left, yep. and the next one is Limbo.
Now, for a second, I wanted to play that uh, limbo music just to throw everybody <laughs> off. Do the limbo, limbo rock. <laughs> that would have been funny. It, it, and uh, for me, you might as well. <laughs> well, here's the thing about limbo, okay? Now, what I read about it kind of cemented in my mind why this isn't one of my favorite Rush instrumentals. They took just a bunch of pieces of stuff that they were working on and kind of threw them together and created this instrumental song. So they, you know, Getty and Alex will have different ideas, you know, for a riff or like a, a piece of a song and they'll just set them aside and maybe use them later. They took a whole bunch of those and turned them in to this song. So it's like a patchwork quilt right. of a song. And to me, it sounds sort of like that. And is that yeah. what you were, is that what you were going to get at? Yeah, it just does nothing for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't flow to me. It doesn't flow. There are obviously some great instrumentals by Rush. Yeah, this is not one of them. Okay. Just yeah, I mean, does nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with that. I don't think it's. I wouldn't say it's terrible. I mean, there are parts like there's parts you, of it that are great. If you took the parts of it just just by themselves and just played, you know, this thirty seconds and that thirty seconds and this thirty seconds, I would say, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. But you put them all together. Yeah, it, it doesn't have any kind of cohesion. Yeah. The it parts does, don't seem to fit. It doesn't work for me. And right. I mean, they played it on this tour, but I don't think they, they did again after that. Yeah, I remember them playing it. Yeah, which led me to just think about what what is Rush's greatest instrumental song. Okay. Is it, is it YYZ? La Villa Strangiato? It would have to be one of those two, I would think, right? Well, there's another, yeah, I mean, there's an, another. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's a bunch uh, there's of them. Where's My Thing, there's Leave That Thing Alone. Yeah. Two things songs. Malignant narcissism, the main it, monkey business. It has to be YYC, though, for me. I would think so. Yeah. Well, for me, it is too. Yeah. Absolutely. Although, okay. not, no, well, I mean, La Villa Strangiata was amazing, but. Yeah. They're one and two. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, maybe other Rush fans will think differently. Like I said, some people, this album, this is the album. Yeah. And this is Limbo the, this could is the door be, that opened. could be the song. Right. You know, it might be the first instrumental Rush song you heard. And you were just blown away. Yeah. I wonder if they called it Limbo because all of those little pieces of songs were just hanging out, doing nothing that they brought together. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. But you know, there are there are a couple of lyrics in the song? Yes, there are. Alex and... says a couple of weird things. Okay. He says, whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? <laughs> and then he says, mmm, mash good, which I'm assuming is the, like the monster mash. Maybe. Something. Look, it, I, it reminded me of what he did for a while during La Villa Strangiato, where he would just start making, he would just start spouting off the top of his head the weirdest things during, like a breakdown during the song. Do you remember when he, he did oh, that yeah. for a while? Yeah, yeah. That was always funny. Yeah, it was always funny. But look, I think this is just another example of Rush doing what they wanted to do. They had these pieces of songs that they felt strongly about, didn't really fit with anything Neil wrote lyrically. Yep. We like all these little parts that we created and let's turn them into something yeah. and see if it works. For them, maybe it did work, maybe it didn't. For you and I, it didn't. But yeah. for other Rush fans, maybe it did. Yeah. I think if uh, people listening like it, let us know why you like it. Yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah. That, that is interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll put that up as a Twitter poll. Oh, Joe. man, really? Why, why do you like Limbo? Ooh. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's one it's, of the choices going to be because. <laughs> because I do. Because I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got one song left on Test for Echo, Jer, and it is Carve Away the Stone. Carve away the stone. Carve away the stone. Make a name and image with 
thoughts on the final track on Test for Echo, Jar? Yeah, it's it's a great way to end the album. They come right back after Limbo. Okay. See, now this is the song that I don't care for too much. Really? Yeah. I forgot you said that. I did say it, and this is the one. This is it. I don't know what it is about this song, but it just doesn't grab me. Really? Kind of like, um, what did you? What song was it? That, oh, you said was it Dog Years? Time and Motion. Well, Time and Motion. There was maybe three or four that you didn't uh, you yeah. didn't care for, Jar. There are a couple of Rush songs that I really don't care for too much, and this is one of them. Mm. Like when I get to this song on the album, I just you know really blow yeah, right past it. I just blow right past it. I Interesting. mean, I, I don't know why it just doesn't do it for me. And uh, you know, it's one of those things. That's yeah, all. That's why they make chocolate and vanilla. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what do you think this song is about, Jar? Uh, this song is about leaving the past behind or uh, le- maybe leaving behind things that will weigh you down. Okay. That's how I think about it. Because he says, he says, you can roll that stone to the top of the hill and drag your ball and chain behind you. You can carry that weight with an iron will or let the pain remain behind you. Mm-hmm. You can pick it up or leave it. Right? And he says, chip away at the stone, make the burden lighter if you must roll that rock alone. I do like the lyrics of the song. I just don't like the song. Right. Itself. I, yeah, okay. I'd buy that. But it's just a, a good song, you know, about trying to, I wouldn't say it's like leaving, you know, your past behind you, but it's it, it's carving away at the stone, right? Taking pieces of it off so that it becomes lighter. You're not blaming yourself so much for right. things that you might have done. Making Just make your load a little lighter. You're still going to have some of it, but it doesn't have to be that heavy. You so, can put part of it down and walk away from it. So it's kind of about the weight of the burdens that we're carrying? Yeah. Sort of? From our past. Okay. A lot of times those things obviously will get in your way. Because they mentioned Sisyphus too. It's not in the lyrics here, but he definitely says Sisyphus. Right. In the back, you know, and like in the background a little bit. Sisyphus, of course, being the man who was condemned to always roll a uh- huge boulder up a hill and as soon as he got to the top of the hill he lost his footing and it rolled back down to the bottom and he had to do it over and over and over again that was his punishment that's what he's trying to say not to do you can be sisyphus or if sisyphus maybe knocked some pieces off of that stone and made it a little smaller and a little lighter he might have been able to push it up to the top and get on with his life so could it in a nutshell be saying get the things that are burdening you out of the way and do what you want to do yeah i i would take it more as forgiveness okay for things you might have done you can't forget them because you did them right but maybe you don't have to beat yourself up about them all all the time okay it's just so so the the things that are weighing you down are things that that you did in the past that's how i think about it that's fair and there's one interesting image in the song in general he says make a graven image with some features of your own which i just love Hmm. there's a graven image Something you make in the image of God that isn't God, like uh, the story of the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. So when he comes, he's up there for a while, and he comes back down, and he finds that all the Israelites have made a golden calf and are worshiping the golden calf as if it were God, uh-huh. because Moses was up there so long, and they thought that God had forsaken them. So that's an that's an idol, a mm. graven image. But if you make a graven image with your own face on it, right? What, is, what does that mean? Me treating yourself as a god. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe I maybe you're you're convincing me, Jerry. Maybe really? I like the I don't, see the it's just the it's not the lyrics at all. It's the the song itself for whatever reason just doesn't doesn't gel. 
just doesn't gel for me. But and I think I'm in the minority though, because just uh, seeing people's reactions on Twitter about different stuff, a lot of people said "Carve Away the Stone" was the one song they wished they had seen Rush play live. Yeah. So I think Rush fans love this song. Yeah, I mean, there's something about the lyrics that definitely resonate with me. And usually Rush ends their album with a really strong song. Yeah. For me, this isn't one of them, but for a lot of Rush fans, I think it is one of them. Yeah. And for you, apparently, it's one of them. Yeah. I really, I really like the images in this song. So, I'm, you know, I'm glad we talked about Test for Echo. This yeah, was, so this, am I. This was great. I know. Was, I'm, you know, I'm glad just because you got to listen to it again. I know. Yeah. For the first, again, for the first time. Now, I wonder how many of our listeners are sort of new to Rush, maybe, and maybe don't have Test for Echo. This might be a good opportunity to run out and get it. Yeah, definitely. I, so, I, I think you should do that if you don't have Test for Echo. Don't be like me and yeah. listen to it once and twi- or twice and uh, put it away for 25 years. Yeah, don't do that. No, that's a bad idea. That's a, that's a terrible idea. So uh, why don't we wrap up this episode of uh, Something for Nothing, Jared? This was, uh, this was uh, enlightening. Of course, it's always enlightening. As it always is. Next time on the Rush Fancast, uh, what would you like to discuss, Jared? Do we have to decide that now or should we leave it up in the air? I think we'll leave it up in the air. I want to look more closely at the ones we've done so far and see if there's a, another starting point where we can discuss two or three albums in a row that for us have some kind of link okay. between them. I mean, we don't have to do this, but to me, the the album that kind of links with this is Vapor Trails. It doesn't link with Vapor Trails. For you me. don't Again, think so? because maybe because I didn't listen to it that much when we first I first got it. Okay. So maybe that's why. That could be it. Uh, but you know what you can do? You can email us at therushcast at gmail.com and let us know what you want to, you want us to talk about next. Yeah, and we, maybe we'll listen to you. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll do Vapor Trails. So there. Maybe we'll do what we want. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll probably do what we want. We'll definitely maybe do what we want. <laughs> well, Jared, thanks. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll speak to you next time on the Rush Fancast. Until then, Jared, what do you got for me? Well, I believe in what I see. I believe in what I hear, Steve. You believe that what you're feeling changes how the world appears? No, I just believe in what I see and what I hear. That's it. Okay. Take it easy. All right. See you.